With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the McCarthy Project live from Minneapolis, Minnesota, where we have been attacking life and sport since 2001. from the McCarthy Project, and today we have been discussing game day strategies and, and different aspects of that particular subject, and one of the beautiful things, uh, as you can see over the last couple of interviews, is that um, each subject has its own life, and each part of it uh, has its own um, importance, and, and one of the things I, I've asked uh, Coach Russell Brock to come on today is, again, give his perspective on um, what it takes to compete at a high level on game day. And um, he is currently the beach volleyball coach for the LSU Tigers. How are you doing today, Russell? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is uh, purely a joy, I guarantee you, to sit and um, talk about the game of beach volleyball and and try to get to some deeper level stuff, you know, rather than – Softball questions, like we talked about on every, off air, but before we go into the questions and kind of get into the meat and potatoes of the interview, could you give everybody your background? Because I think you have a great background of being a player as well as a, a coach that has some uh, some really good high level success with them as well. Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, you know, grew up in Texas, which you know for guys isn't necessarily a hotbed for. Uh, volleyball in general, but um, you know, through some really amazing, fortunate events, was able to kind of be funneled into juniors volleyball late in my high school career. Ended up parlaying that into an opportunity to play um, and compete at uh, University of Southern California, and um, had a great career there. Really enjoyed being on the West Coast and and being involved in kind of that arena at a really high level, and really um, kind of introduced into beach scene being out there, um, not in any official way, um, but just started to kind of get that bug. Um, when I graduated, went back to Texas and spent the next ballpark 11 years working um, just in a small private school as athletic director and coach and coaching club ball indoor and um, running a couple clubs. Um, and during that time, really started to kind of push into the beach scene and really started to learn and enjoy and kind of play in some local tours in Texas and get out and play through kind of Florida and the Panhandle and um, some of those great beaches along um, the Gulf Coast, Emerald Coast, and then um, kind of progressed from there into Rice University and got into the college scene, was an assistant coach with the indoor program there for about eight seasons, and um, really got involved with 
you know, the compliance and all the things that, that deal with the college training scene. And then when Beach started to explode, uh, it was a very fortunate progression to be able to come in to LSU and to be able to be a part of starting the Beach program here. And, and you know, when you look back, it's a, it's a really unlikely path um, from, you know, southeast Texas football, you know, hotbed to, you know, beach volleyball coach in, in college and really the same neck of the woods. And, you know, I feel honestly just really blessed um, to have been able to be a part of the process and the growth of the sport at the college level is uh, is really humbling. It's it's an incredible opportunity. I, I already can see that we're going to talk about game day strategies, um, but we're also, if you mind coming back in the second part of the interview, I would like to talk about this idea of not coming from a a highly regarded area because beach is tremendously, um, I wasn't going to use the word bias, but it's not bias. It's heavily orientated to a couple uh, different portions of the United States. And for obvious reasons, the weather's nice, you know what I mean? And, and sure. there are a lot of great players there, but I'm in Minnesota and uh, you say you didn't come from a hotbed. Uh, Minnesota, uh, and I don't know if in Texas, but an indoor sport, there are, Guys don't play in Minnesota. There isn't even a sport. Right. It doesn't even exist. And is it, is it like that in, in southeast Texas? Yeah, at the time when I started playing, there were two juniors club teams for boys. There was one in Houston and one in Dallas. And, you know, I say it was unlikely. It was, I mean, it's incredibly fortuitous that, the the coach who came into my high school happened to be a club coach who helped with the single team in Houston. And just one day in a passing conversation with my mom said, Hey, have him come to open gym and with our, with the girls team at our high school. And he said, you need to be playing club volleyball. And I had no clue that it even existed. And so he was the one who would drive me into Houston practice and, you know, so the summer before my senior year of high school, I played one juniors event um, with this particular team. And then my senior year, that kind of spring, I got involved and played that summer and ended up, that's what I ended up doing in college. See, and that's the thing that, you know, you know, there's two aspects to this piece. And if you don't mind, I think we'll just go down this pipe right now because I think it's sure. – it's really important, especially in the world of beach when things are growing, you know, and, and you can see a lot of northern half athletes starting to play, like Ohio, you know, Illinois, all these different states, you know, that are bringing players to the, to the forefront. But there still are not um, year-round programs. There's no, uh, you know, big tournaments to play in. You know what I mean? Coaches are not traveling up here to look for athletes. So let's take it from a, an athlete's perspective. And if you were to go back and knowing what you know now, what would you tell young athletes if they're in these lesser trafficked areas? And I get the opportunity to have these conversations because, you know, like you said, there there's definitely concentrated areas of um, players who play our sport. Um, who are able to develop and train year-round and have coaches at their disposal and, and lots of tournaments to play. 
So inherently, you're going to spend more time, more energy, because there's more opportunities. However, um, you know, a program like ours it's, that was starting up and is, is a young kind of player in this game and really in a part of the country that loves the sport but hasn't developed um, kind of the volume of Division One beach athletes that a lot of other places have. You know, I have these conversations a lot, and kind of at the end of the day, the the thread that continually comes into play is if you're a great player, if you've invested, if you're willing to communicate and get your information out there, you're going to have an incredible opportunity to play the sport. Um, You know, we have to recruit in, uh, like you say, in Ohio, in Kansas, in, you know, in Texas, we recruit a lot in lots of areas that aren't necessarily considered. We're not, tied down to, um, you know, the high-profile areas. We we have to go out and be creative and find the players who are going to help us continue to improve. Um, and as we do that, you know, it kind of opens more doors and you can kind of get your name out there and you can become more of a household name. But, but our goal is always to find the right players and to find the right players who are willing to come to our school and then are going to fit into our team. And at no point within that conversation is it important where you come from. So <laughs> my encouragement is always continue to train, continue to work hard, to continue to put yourself out there, because if you become the right type of student athlete, the right type of player, you're going to have a great opportunity. It won't matter where you're from. And let's, if I could take another just a little different tack on the same um, type of thought, is that we're in Minnesota, which is kind of known in the indoor world to have a lot of talent uh, for playing volleyball. How would you see people developing both of those aspects? Because one of the things that I'm, uh, you know, I, I think is a curious question is there are great indoor players, but there may they may be what they call um, they're not at the top 150 in the nation or something like this, and therefore they may not get to go where they want to go indoor. But you see a lot of players that switch over to the beach world and then are able to really move forward faster because they have that basis of experience. Could you kind of speak to that as well? Sure, absolutely. I mean, we see it all the time. I think the farther down the road we go with, you know, with every single sport, there always becomes this, you know, idea of specialization, um, which I think there's a lot of great things with it, and I think there's some compromising things as well. Um, but the, the disadvantage of those players that are crossing over is the farther down the line we go in our timeline as a sport, the more and more athletes you're going to have who are going to make this decision to be beach only at an earlier stage. And the single thing that you can't train, and this is in any sport, um, but I think it's particularly um, limiting in our sport is literal experience um, because athletically, and you see it all the time, you'll have kids who are superior that are going to get beat by players who know how to play the game. So yeah. the, the the farther down the line these kind of crossover players wait to to start to understand the game and to train the game, 
the less and less likely they're going to be able to really be um, kind of cross over and be successful because the volume of players who have made that commitment at an earlier stage is going to grow as well. So I think there's always going to be a market, um, and, and even at the college level, coaches are always going to be intrigued by players who are crossing over, who you know are great athletes, who maybe have that size that you don't come across as much, but that's even, you know, that volume is growing as well. But, you know, the, the ability to have a player like that who has that potential um, and can become a great beach player. But like I said, the, the issue we're going to get into as the years progress is that player is already going to be out for a while compared to right now where they're just starting to come out. So the ones who come out later are going to be more challenged to kind of catch up in time to be as valuable a possibility as they would be maybe now. Yes. And you can see that it's interesting. Again, I'll give you just an observation that just will piggyback on this, but I went down to uh, Gulf Shores last year to the NCAA tournament and um, uh, worked with the high-performance tryout that was happening there. And I could see when the players walked in, that look any bigger, stronger, faster than the ones in Minnesota. But once they got out on the court or out on the sand, um, wow, it was like, whoa, that was good. Right. You know, things like this that are really, they have an understanding, you know, that is that does really exceed a player who hasn't been on the sand. Right. And, you know, we've had to, because usually when a young program starts, you're going to use a lot of indoor players um, yep. just because the nature of the sport, you can't recruit a beach only program in a year or two or three, even it takes time to kind of grow into that. Usually if depending upon how the programs choose to do it. So we had that progression as we kind of went through the process of taking really good, really athletic indoor players who had a lot of the mechanical skills to allow them to be successful in the sand and then try and progress them with the understanding of the sport quick enough that they're not going to get exposed um, and be as vulnerable when we get into a situation where we're playing more experienced beach players. Um, So there's always going to be the possibility of kind of making that switch, but more and more challenging the farther and farther down the line you go with a program. Now, when we have players who come up from the indoor, but we've got, you know, 16 beach-only players on our roster, that progression, a lot of times there's just not time to catch up um, because you've got years of experience now and you've got similar athletes. Uh, And I think that's the biggest thing as our sports grows you know, those those athletes who have kind of been only seen in the indoor, now they're starting to become significantly more populated on the beach scene as beach-only players. And that's exciting for our sport, um, but, you know, it'll make it more challenging for those crossover athletes to really kind of compete and catch up. I think that's, that's very well said. So let's, um, let's switch over 
to the original subject. As always, it seems like we find something to talk about. But um, so we're moving more over into the game day strategy. So we, I'll kind of leave it there. What are kind of your top three or four things that that you like to have the athletes think about going into game day? I do think, um, you know, I knew this was going to be a topic, so I kind of dwelt on it a little bit. But, you know, yeah. really the kind of the big catch-22 with, with game day preparation is really the greatest game day readiness, you know, preparation comes bef- way before the game day. Um, you know, the confidence that you need to play, the technical and physical training and conditioning that you need, um, you know, and ultimately the less you have to think about as you head into a game or as you play, the better you're going to perform. So, you know, getting that out of the way, you know, the, the, the preparation days, weeks, months, years before game day is significantly more important. You know, I think that there are, you know, some keys that are very basic, hydration, you know, properly proper fueling, um, even rest heading in you know, warm-up, warm-up routine, you know, all of those are things that, you know, every college program has trainers and, you know, has strength coaches. Um, even our as coaches, we have to be well-versed in to try and put our pairs, our teams, our players in a position to be able to physically, um, you know, make it through a day of competition while playing at their highest level. Um, so I think that, you know, those routines – um, are important, uh, not only from a physical perspective, but also mentally, like to make sure you're getting into a place where, you know, your body and your mind understands, hey, we're heading into a competition. You know, we do this every time. We prime ourselves to be ready to really kind of get in and get going and play from the get-go um, because every single point is going to be valuable and we can't ease our way in. And, and see, it's interesting you talk about the way beforehand because I would actually agree almost 100% that one of the things I did, I didn't realize when I was raising my kids, is I um, told him, uh, I'm talking about my, my oldest son, I told him uh, when he was about in the eighth grade, I wanted him to list all the variables of succeeding on game day. And after about the first three or four, you know, like, um, being on time and all that kind of stuff. I said, well, then you got to go deeper. And he was down to writing down whether he packed his socks or not, you know, and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And it's interesting when you start to think about the number of variables is that once you get that system down, even in more important things than whether you bring your socks, obviously. But it really is interesting how that training and that experience, and it comes back to what we talked about earlier. It is so important to enjoy the game and practice the way you want to play way before game day even shows up. If you're waiting to game day to get it together, it's almost too late. For sure. Absolutely. And kind of going down that thread, one of the things that we talk about, and it's even in our handbook, we talk about your journey. And, you know, it's, it's about the whole season, but specifically even on a game day, you know, you have to be mentally prepared for anything that can happen, um, too often you see people go in and they run into controversy or, or, you know, or some type of, you know, issue, speed bump, and they unravel 
where you know our philosophy and what we talk about is you you've got to you've got to think through all of these things beforehand so that you won't be surprised, you won't be shocked. And you know, it's not necessarily fun like what if I tweak my ankle? Um yes. you know, and I, and I have to play through that. What if my shoulder starts bothering me? What if it starts raining? What if we have a lightning delay and we have to sit for two hours and then we have to get back out and, and finish the last five points of a set? Like, you you have to be not only physically and technically ready, you have to have that mental preparation. Um, you know, like I said, we call it our journey, that we have all of these scenarios thought through. So when it comes, you don't, freak out you know you're like okay this is i didn't want this to happen or i wasn't expecting this to happen but i thought about this and this is how we're going to get through it um because you know like i said a lot of times these matches are decided by one two points in the tight ones in the great matchups and that simple process may be what allows you to stay composed enough to earn that one point that could be the difference in a 3-2 match against a team that's, you know, equally as talented and maybe even equally as prepared physically as you, but maybe that slight edge of of not, you know, of no hesitation because you've already gone through this. Um, so I think that that's, that's, you know, part of a game day experience that, you know, we try and encourage people to go through. It's interesting because you even can put a time limit on that. If you sit there even took, say, something like you tweaked your ankle, that three minutes that it hurts, you know what I mean, um, could be three or four points. You know what I mean? And you may right. get yourself back and back in engaged, but that three or four points is already gone. You know what I mean? And it really does um, lead to a lot of preparation. I, I, I've, I, it's funny. I didn't know when I did it with my son that it would be such a revelation, you know, but I – I think back to that time when I did it, and I think it really is um, truer than we know, especially when there's so many great athletes that are actually playing the game now. I think it'd be different if it was, you know, back in the mid-'90s when, you know, there probably was 10 players that were really good, and there's a lot of people that are out there for the love of the game. Uh, but right. they didn't have the talent to do it, you know. Sure. But, but it is uh, it is an interesting thing. All right, we've almost come to the end of our time. It's amazing when you get – chatting how fast time goes but any last kind of party thoughts related to game day strategies or for athletes that are kind of outside the the concentrated or you know really highly focused areas i do think that um you know scouting is a portion of the day and depending upon the, the format of your tournament to be able to watch a team that you're going to compete against and to be able to understand what they're doing and maybe what your how your strengths can take advantage of some things you see or maybe how your weaknesses need to be um, kind of masked when you play against a team that may be able to take advantage of them. You know, the scouting portion is, is a big portion that is important when you play. However, even going back to kind of these little tweaks and injuries in the journey we talked about, our game may be more than – many others, if not most others, is about adjustments. Um, you can have a great game plan going in against a team that has some incredible tendencies that you want to take advantage of. And if they're a good team, they're going to make adjustments. You have to make adjustments. And maybe you won't jump as high or maybe you won't be as fast because of an injury or because of a cramp. 
Um, and you have to, once again, make adjustments and figure out ways to still be successful. Um, so I think when you talk about game day strategy, you know, that um, ability, and sometimes it's just as much of a mental hurdle as a physical hurdle, but to make adjustments um, is critically important. And you can't ever go into any competition with the mindset of here's my game plan and if we execute this game plan, we're going to be successful because that's not our sport. Our sport Mm -hmm. is to be able to on the fly dissect, analyze, and adjust depending upon incredibly vast number of variables that include (laughs) weather, conditions, depth of sand, your physical ability, the other team's physical ability, like the sun, you know, all of these things that may end up impacting, you know, either team's ability to execute a a quote-unquote game plan. So more important than that is really the mental and physical ability um, to adjust and to continue to evolve as as the games are played and as the days go on. Yeah, you just opened up another hour conversation. You know that, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. As soon as you said it, it's like like adjustments, absolutely. Because I think that is the biggest, you know, critical thing that I see in young athletes is that, you know, and this is is going to go to the other extreme, is so many times, and I think it's part of the growing up process, um, and we won't go into why I think that is, but essentially you walk up to them and say, okay, I'm going to teach them about making adjustments on their own. Okay, I want you to lead practice today. You know what I mean? I know you won't do it at the college level, but at, you know, with young athletes, they say, you only lead it. No, no, you just tell me what to do. No, 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 I'm, I'm giving you the opportunity to think for yourself and what would you like to do. And they give you the blank look, and you're like, oh, okay, there, there, there are no adjustments available because they just never right. have been, they've been so long been, you know, I had also attuned to some of the power tripping coaches that just say, you know, this is the way we've done it and this is the way we're going to do it. Um, and it's like, I'm thinking of an interview because um, I did do an interview one time with Russ Rose from Penn State and I fully expected him to be the old fashioned, old crotchety, um, don't make any adjustments, it's my way or the highway. And, boy, he was the most flexible um, in his philosophy. I was fascinated by it. And I think this is what you're talking about. How do we get young people to start to realize that they have to think and they have to be creative? Yep, for sure. Fascinating. All right. Where can young people uh, get a hold of you if they would like to reach um, out? Yeah, the, you know, if you go to our website, the you know, you'll see that whole bio, and there'll be a link to my email address. But um, our our what is my email? That's a great question. Uh, <laughs> didn't email myself very often. It's rlbrock at lsu.edu. Um, yeah. And obviously, sometimes depending upon their age, I might not be able to get back to them. But you know, if they if they get another coach that uh, that I can communicate through, if they're a little bit younger, then that's great. But otherwise, um, that's the best way to get a hold of me. Perfect. Again, I do thank you for the time today. I really enjoyed the conversation. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. I think anytime we're able to 
you know, get with other people who are interested in our sport and have a platform to kind of get information out there. It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to share. You know, I listen to, uh, you know, your shows with other coaches and, you know, we even talked about it earlier. There's a great, um, really friendship between lots of the coaches and the people who are involved with this sport, which, um, is really refreshing. And, um, you know, the game is growing and, and we're trying to, make it we're really trying to keep up with its popularity um as it pushes forward and um riding that wave and it, it couldn't be a better place to be right now than on you know on the front edge of collegiate beach volleyball and it's uh it's a lot of fun yes i totally agree um i would love to have you back on again as well because uh, you opened up the pandora's box with the adjustments question i have to admit Absolutely. Anytime. You are listening to the McCarthy Project live from Minneapolis, Minnesota, where we have been attacking life and sport since 2001. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.